Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Today we're going to be talking about the Police Academy franchise. Well, not so much talking about them as those movies are going to inspire this conversation that we'll have. About half a month or so ago, I found out that all seven Police Academy films were going to be streaming on Netflix starting on February 1st. So I reported this information on Twitter and was kind of surprised by the incredibly positive replies that I've got to that tweet, that information being shared. Uh, A lot of likes, a lot of retweets, a lot of excitement, a lot of people saying, ooh, I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be marathoning the Police Academy films. And I knew that people like these movies, but I didn't really realize that in the year 2020, people still really liked (laughs) these movies. Um, On the actual day, February 1st, I reminded everyone, today's the day, and I didn't think that tweet would really be met with as much enthusiasm, because I already reported the information, but nope, (laughs) a lot of people like that tweet too. They're like, yes, Police Academy's here. So I actually did watch all seven Police Academy films. And the weird thing is, I already own all the Police Academy films. But there was something about seeing the reaction that this news um, got from all the people out there in uh, film Twitter land (laughs) that made me go, maybe I should revisit these movies. It's been a really long time since I've watched them. So I did. I watched a movie a day. And first I watched the first six films, starting on February 1st. And then after part six, I took a little bit of a break for a couple days. And then uh, tonight, uh, the same night that I'm recording this podcast, I I finished with part seven. So, hmm, why not talk about it? Here I am. Let's talk about these movies. They are, (laughs) in order of release... From 1984, Police Academy. From 1985, Police Academy 2, their first assignment. From 1986, Police Academy 3, Back in Training. From 1987, Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. From 1988, Police Academy 5, Assignment, Miami Beach. From 1989, Police Academy 6, City Under Siege. And from 1994, Police Academy Mission to Moscow. You know, in 1994, I didn't even know there was a new Police Academy movie. It wasn't until I actually bought that DVD box set years later that I found out about it. So I assumed it was a straight-to-video release, but it's not. I looked it up, and Mission to Moscow was released limitedly in theaters. And it, it didn't do well. And just because I, I, I just mentioned that title, I'll lightly touch upon that film. Because that's the movie that I watched tonight. Police Academy Mission to Moscow. 
feels like the people who made it, and I have nothing to back this up. I don't know if this is in fact the case. I'm just saying it feels this way. It feels like the people who made it hadn't seen the other Police Academy movies, but were familiar with their reputation. So they made a movie that feels like what they think a Police Academy movie is supposed to be like, which is even more ridiculous than what they're actually like, even more cartoonish than usual. Now, when these movies first started, I'm wondering if the the idea behind even making them was an attempt to recreate the uh, popularity of the movie Stripes. <laughs> Stripes kind of feels like, or excuse me, Police Academy kind of feels like the policed version of Stripes, but zanier. You know, Steve Gutenberg is kind of that Bill Murray character from Stripes. Doesn't really want to be there and is kind of making fun of the whole institution while he's stuck there and then kind of accidentally becomes the hero of the whole place that everyone kind of looks up to. These films are lowbrow <laughs> and they're moronic by design. I mean, this is buffoon cinema. I'm sure these movies would irritate most mature movie watchers. I see them as old school Looney Tunes cartoons with live action human beings inserted into the stories. They feature ensemble casts. Each comic actor has a different flavor they add to the mix. I enjoy the physical comedy, the exaggerated facial expressions, the gags that obviously could only exist in a cartoon world. <laughs> I don't think you could talk someone into finding these movies funny if they hate this type of humor. All the jokes may not land, but all of the films have a spirit that's fun in a way that's young at heart. I definitely think you wouldn't like these films if you were old at heart. Nostalgia is a big part of the appeal for older audiences. I think anyone could like these films if they really enjoy feeling young. If you like them, you may feel like a kid again. If you hate them, you might say, this seems like movies for children. I don't see what's wrong with an adult liking a movie for children. Or in this case, movies for adults that feel like movies for children. I first saw these films as a child. Now, I haven't watched these movies in many years. I was aware that these films may not play as well for me as they once did, but I didn't need them to be something they're not. I enjoyed revisiting them, but <laughs> excuse me, I enjoyed revisiting them. You know, but I mean, I'm a dork. I'm an adult who loves a lot of the things I loved as a kid. So tapping into that kid energy is easy for me. Here's something. I was thinking about, say, 50 years from now, people look at the 1980s. And, and I'm saying 50 years from now because, I mean, I don't know what year, to, I don't know what number to pick. I wanted to pick an exaggerated, you know, number in, uh, years into the future. 
So, so, so in making this point, I mean, try and picture, uh, for instance, if it was today, looking back at movies from 50 years ago. So kind of keep that concept in mind. So say 50 years from now, people look at the 1980s and they say, this Police Academy franchise made seven films because it was popular with people back then. I wonder why. Let's take a look at these films. And then people in the future look at these movies and study them and see what made mainstream audiences laugh in the 80s. It's possible they'll look back at these films and the comic actors who performed in them as the way film historians now look at the films of, say, the Three Stooges or the Marx Brothers with respect especially if any of the jokes make them laugh. I mean, I think that's very possible. You know, most of the people who are in these movies, I know them from these movies. Police Academy didn't really cast people that were already famous. I think these people became famous, if not temporarily famous, because they were in the Police Academy movies. Steve Gutenberg is widely regarded as the star of this franchise. He's in four of the seven films. He plays Mahoney. He's kind of a star that we think of as being an 80s star. You know, he was also in Cocoon and Short Circuit. After part four, which came out in 87, he did Three Men and a Baby. And that was a big hit for him. I could see why you wouldn't want to go back to the Police Academy franchise, especially having a big hit. You get this idea that, oh, well, this is my my future, bigger films. And unfortunately for him, and I say this because I actually do like Steve Gutenberg. I think he's likable. It didn't really turn out that way. He never really became a big star. He never became Bill Murray. Even the sequel to Three Men and a Baby, Three Men and a Little Lady, it wasn't really as big of a hit. Years later on the Sci-Fi Network, Steve Gutenberg returned as the lead in the film called Lava Lantula, <laughs> which I'm actually a fan of. It's a movie about a volcano that erupts in LA and all these spiders come out, these fire spiders, and they attack the city. And for some reason, <laughs> when they made this movie, they thought, you know, it'd be uh, really great if we filled it with people from Police Academy, because along with Steve Gutenberg is Michael Winslow, who played Jones, Marion Ramsey, who played Hooks, and Leslie Easterbrook, who played Callahan. And they all return again in the sequel the following year, which is called Two Lava, Two Lantula, which I like even better than the first one, because it's even more comical. Now, I would argue that Bobcat Goldthwait is probably the biggest star to come out of the Police Academy films. Not because he actually became a big star, but just because he's the actor slash celebrity that had the most consistent career afterwards. He never became huge, but he never went away. He's always around doing something. And usually smaller things, but he's always getting work or creating work because he also became a filmmaker 
um, from the eighties, uh, two of the movies that I think of right away that I'm a fan of that Bobcat was in was one crazy summer and Scrooged. And also he was, or actually still is, but he was a stand-up comedian in the 1980s and he had a persona that's kind of hard to describe if you've never seen it, where he speaks in a really bizarre voice. And this is the same voice he uses when he plays the character of Zed in the police Academy films. And it's kind of this cross between uh, starting off talking soft, but then like kind of like ending your sentences really loud, like yelling in this really weird kind of kind of way of talking. And it works for me. I could once again, imagine that it must irritate people. In fact, come to think of it, I can, I can tell you exactly who it, it would, it would irritate. It would irritate my grandpa <laughs> because I remember in the eighties, I got to see Bobcat Goldthwait and I was very excited about that. And I was visiting my grandparents and we were watching the news and Bobcat Goldthwait came on to promote his upcoming concert. He did an interview and I got excited and I pointed to the TV screen and I said, that's the guy I'm going to go see. And my grandpa had never heard of him had never seen him before. And this interview was the first time he had ever seen and heard Bobcat Goldthwait. And he saw the way he behaved. And when it was done, he turned to me and he said, you paid money to go see that guy. You would have to pay me money to go see that guy. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> uh, there were some people who were in these movies that weren't as famous at the time. And in part one, that would be Kim and Cottrell. Uh, in part four, Sharon Stone. And in part four, also in part four, <laughs> is David Spade. Who, if you think about it, I think would be perfect if they did a reboot as like a bad guy cop character because he's so smarmy. Um, I was surprised to see in part six, two people I recognized. One was Ron Perlman and the other was the late Christopher Lee. Now, although none of these actors really went on to be huge, there were a few actors that I noticed. I could picture how I would have casted them if I were in control of their careers. Like if I could dream cast them and stuff that I'd want to see, Based on their talents, there's three people that stuck out that I think they would be perfect for certain things. One of them was Michael Winslow, who plays Jones, who does all the sound effects. I think everybody likes Jones, but I think kids especially love Jones. Or love Michael Winslow. I think Michael Winslow would have been perfect as a children's show host. Not exactly sure what the show would be like kind of picturing it being a little bit like Pee-wee's Playhouse, but not as absurd. Kind of picturing it being like a show where he teaches kids lessons about stuff and always finding ways to incorporate his talent with his sound effects. He's, um, he's kind of one of a kind. I can't think of anybody else who does what he does, or at least does it the way he does it. And I think it's great that he was discovered and got to do what he does in movies. Can you imagine if he never got discovered and he never got put in movies and he's just like some guy that works like at a hardware store or someplace 
you know, not related to entertainment, that thing that he does, that would just be something that people would go, Hey, Hey, Michael, do that thing that you do. You know, like it'd be like a party trick. (laughs) Another person is Lance Kinsey. He plays Proctor. He has like a very naive quality, uh, very like childlike adult. I could picture him being in a sitcom, not a specific sitcom, but I just picture him fitting into that world. Uh, the only other time I remember recognizing him in a movie was he had a really small part in National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. And I got excited when I saw him in my head. I'm like, that's Proctor. <laughs> Finally, there's Leslie Easterbrook who plays Callahan. There's a scene in part six where she beats up a bunch of men. And I felt like I could picture an entire series of movies <laughs> where she's a heroine, where she's an action star who beats up dudes like a secret agent or a cop you know she's got this kind of sybil danning quality she's sexy but she's also fierce and tough and very stern looking but yet kind of glamorous you know i could picture a bunch of like straight to video action films from the 80s with leslie easterbrook i could picture being a big fan of those now the only actors who appeared in all seven of the films are Michael Winslow, who played Jones, David Graff, who played Tackleberry, and George Gaines, who played Lassard. When I was a kid, I saw a bunch of these movies for the first time with my parents. And I remember seeing part two at home with my dad. And there's a scene in part two where Mahoney takes Mauser's shampoo and replaces it with like a very strong adhesive, like a super, super, super glue. And while he's washing his hair, his hands get stuck to his head and Proctor has to cut the hair off of his hands so he can remove them from his head. And then there's hair stuck to the palm of his hands. And then Mauser, furious, storms into one of the classrooms or not the classroom because it's not a police academy anymore it's their first assignment so they're working at a police station some room where all the cops are in he storms in and he shows his palms his hairy palms to all the cops and he says does anyone know the meaning of this and mahoney says Something like, uh, I don't know, but if you don't stop doing that, you'll go blind. (laughs) Obvious masturbation joke. My dad laughed. I didn't. I didn't get it. And I was, it was such a confusing joke to me. And what was even more confusing was that my dad seemed to understand it and thought it was funny. And I turned to him and I said, what does that mean? And at this point, he has to make a decision. Do I explain masturbation to my son and the whole, like, you know, myth that if you do it too much, your your, your hands get, your palms get hairy and you're, you go blind? He chose not to. He said, uh, he just simply said, uh, I said, why is that funny? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> I go, you don't know? Why did you laugh then? He just goes. I don't know. Sounded funny. And I just accepted it. I'm like, wow. He laughed because it sounded funny. Now, years later, I realize 
he did know, and he just didn't want to uh, have this uncomfortable conversation with me. But believe it or not, I accepted his explanation that something could be funny if it simply sounded funny, and I swear to you, till this day, I believe that to be true. I think that you can successfully make certain people laugh by simply saying something in a funny way. Huh. I believe it. You know, in part six, City Under Seas, which is one of the more unpopular films in the franchise, I think generally a lot of the fans started to tune out after part five. But, you know, those later films still have their fans. In part six, there's a scene where Jones is fighting a guy like in a warehouse and the guy like knocks him out and he falls into like a bunch of um, just garbage and stuff. And the guy starts approaching Jones and before he gets there, Jones grabs all these like metal things that he finds and he sticks them in his shirt and he sticks this like claw type thing on his hand and he gets up and his shirt is opened and you can see the metal inside of him and he's walking towards the guy he's fighting and he starts acting like a robot. He's like, target, human, mission, destroy. <laughs> and the guy gets all, he gets all scared. He's like, oh my God, you're a robot. And then Jones starts like mimicking him. Oh my God, you're a robot. I love that joke. <laughs> That's probably my favorite Jones joke. Uh, in part four, there's a scene where they do a, like a, a prank where the high tower pretends to be a voodoo priest and he starts sprinkling this like dust on what's supposed to be a corpse to scare some of the new cadets. And he starts going, yama, 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 yama. And that was just something that I never forgot. And a lot of the kids in school all like were police academy fans and we all knew that joke. And uh, I had this friend in one of my classes that would always try to get me to laugh while the teacher was talking. He'd do this by leaning in and like kind of whispering things near my ear where only I could hear it so that he wouldn't get in trouble. So that if I laughed, potentially I would get in trouble because he thought that was funny. And our teacher was this Japanese man and his name was Mr. Yamagata. And my friend would lean in while Mr. Yamagata was giving his, his uh, lesson to the class and he'd start going, yama, 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 yamagata, yama, 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 yamagata. <laughs> and it would make me laugh. Um, I just want to point out that Police Academy had its fair share of ripoffs or copycats because it was such a popular franchise that they made other movies that were like police academy and when you'd watch them you can you'd recognize like oh this is a police academy kind of a film and two of them that stuck out was moving violations and stewardess school which i felt were like they had the you know police academy formula where you have like a school of misfits and brian backer is in moving violations and then he's also in police academy 4 and Corinne, I cannot pronounce her name, Bohr, B-O-H-R-E-R, -E I can't pronounce it, Bauer. She's in the stewardess school, and she's awesome. Police Academy 4. And I thought it was neat that you have actors who were in the Police Academy copycats that ended up being in the Police Academy films. 
These characters in these Police Academy films, they did return. There were two Police Academy series. The first was an animated one from 1989. There were two seasons of it, 65 episodes. None of the characters were voiced by the actors from the film, and I've never seen a single episode. The second is Police Academy the Series. That's a live-action series from the late 90s. I didn't know that existed from 1997. There was one season, 26 episodes. There was cameos, not only by characters from the films, but the actors that played them, including Callahan, Lassard, Hightower, Tackleberry, and Sweet Chuck. And then another, uh, this has nothing to do with the series, but in the movies, there's a cameo by Bigfoot. Not the Sasquatch, but the monster truck. <laughs> this is a, like a seriously... Uh, famous monster truck in the 80s, a celebrity monster truck. Um, Bigfoot was in Police Academy 2, and then he returns in Police Academy 6. So I guess that's kind of like a cameo prop. But then there's also a recurring gag that involves a location, and that is the Blue Oyster Bar. Uh, there's a running gag in the first four films uh, where a character accidentally walks into this bar and discovers they're in a leather daddy gay bar. And then the moment they realize where they are, music hits. And one of the leather clad patrons will grab them and they're trapped into dancing with them. And the song is always the same song. It goes like this. That song is called El Bimbo. El Bimbo was originally written and recorded in 1974 by a band called Bimbo Jet. But the version you hear in the movies is by Jean-Marc Dampierre and his orchestra. Speaking of music, I think the theme to Police Academy is really memorable. It's been stuck in my head for days since watching these movies. They're kind of as memorable to me as all the other really memorable theme songs like Rocky, James Bond, Jaws, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Superman. Uh, goes like this. I looked into the getting the, the soundtrack to Police Academy on CD on Amazon. I was shocked to find that it's like $60. It was like a limited edition of 3,000 copies, and they're all, I guess, sold out. So, you know, got people selling it on the secondary market. Expensive. But it's got everything. It's got that theme. It's got El Bimbo. <laughs> Seems like a, a cool thing to have. Do you guys think this, this franchise should be rebooted? My opinion is no. I've always heard from time to time that they, they think about, you know, they're trying to get it back. I don't know if they want to do sequels or start it again from the beginning. But I don't think you could capture lightning, lightning in a bottle twice. I think part of the appeal of the old films is that they're old. When you watch them, you either feel nostalgic for the 80s or imagine very young people look at 80s films as bizarre documents. I can't picture a wacky shenanigans police film that takes place in the 2020s that everyone would embrace. I don't think people are as kind to this type of comedy anymore. I think the last time you had like a really successful wacky cop film, it was Super Troopers. You know, and there's not like seven Super Troopers films. There's only two, and the second one's not as popular as the first one. Now, like I said before, all these films are currently streaming on Netflix. They're also available for free on Vudu. Uh, if you wanted to rent them, if you didn't have those streaming services, they're between 3 to $4 on YouTube, 
Prime Video, Google Play, iTunes. If you wanted to buy it on Blu-ray, the, there's a box set that's available as an import that I believe is all regions. It's at $20. You can get that on Amazon.com. And if you want it on DVD, there's various DVD sets that you can get that range in price between $8 to $15. All right, and there you go. That's what I have to say today about the Police Academy films. So there you go, folks. Uh, if you haven't already, please follow me on Twitter at Isaac's Haunted Bee, the bee is for beard. You can subscribe to me on YouTube, same thing, under the name Isaac's Haunted Beard. Be sure to uh, check out next week's episode of my podcast, because I'm doing this every week, folks, because I'm liking it. It's fun. So until then, just remember, you have the right to remain dorky. <laughs> so dumb. I don't even know why I said that. Okay. I seriously, thank you. I really appreciate you keep tuning in for these, uh, movie conversations until next time. Aloha.